Pressure readings nominal. Very good. Steady as she goes. Aye, aye, Captain. Ensign, what's the cabin temperature? Uh, seem, seems seems normal. Uh, it, might, it might be running a little bit hot because of uh, because of the pH levels outside, but I think we'll be good once we hit the destination. Well, I'm fine with sweating as long as we get there in one piece. Push her as hard as she'll go, but no harder. We have to get there. This mysterious disturbance in our uh, jamming up our uh, signaling equipment can't go unreported. We need to find it, investigate it, and make a full report to the commission. Aye, aye, Captain. I'll let you know just to see. Oh, well, oh, oh. we're, we're getting a we're getting a transmission. Speak your mind, Ensign. Uh, it it looks as though that the it looks as though we're being hailed by someone just over this next ridge. Let's should we should we make contact? Should we check it out? There shouldn't be any traffic in this area. Be careful. It could be adversaries, but see what they want. All right. And oh my goodness. Any Look. communications? Yes. It's an entire civilization, but it ruins. Holy crap. This is insane. Did anybody know that there was all this technology down here? I have never seen Mm. its like. Perhaps some sort of lost technology from the Cold War and something perhaps degraded and caused some sort of disturbance. Yes, that that could be... uh, Guide her oh, in, oh, but be careful. There could be we're, lurking EMPs. We're we're get we're getting the, the the transmissions picking up again. I'll patch you through. Please. Mm, hello. Who is it? This is Captain Richard Humphreys of the USS Nautilus.com. Well, hello there, Captain Richard. My name's Captain Murphy, and you've just caught me during bath time. What can I do for you, Captain? Can you please state the nature of your vessel? Just a second, I need to add more hot water. Uh, oh, oh, yes, uh, the nature of my vessel, well, we're just doing uh, God's good work down here, trying to start a new civilization without uh, anybody anybody being the wiser. I must assume that you're one of many hallucinations that I've conjured up over the years because of the isolation. Captain Murphy, what is... Who, whose loyalties do you have? Are you are you working with the Russians? Are you working with the Germans? What's your nature? Oh, I see. You're one of them. One of those monster moon people come to Ra- take our carrots. Raise shields, Ensign. Uh, I mean no hostilities. We received... Well, if you didn't mean any hostilities, why didn't you gift us any of your moon corn when you came through the last time? Moon corn? Is that a, is that a code word? Best play along. Um... The shipment has been stalled. I assure you that the moon corn will be coming shortly. But in the meantime, we need to know as many details about your civilization as you can muster. I'm not sure I like the tone of your timber, Captain. Prepare missiles, Ensign. Do you mean to antagonize us, Captain Murphy? Rest assured that we come fully stocked and with the blessing of the United States of America to use force if necessary. Well, you better bring out all you have to bear, because you're not going to take me alive. Just your very presence is interrupting transmissions from Chopper Dave. Chopper Dave, he's got reinforcements. All right, let loose the torpedoes. (sighs) It's a tough call, but a captain's got to make it. The lives of this crew are more important than any other civilization. I'll back you up fully in the in the in the tribunal, Captain. You did what needed to be done. Thank you, Ensign. What's that over the ridge? Why, it's an identical destroyed hub. And there's another. Hello, Captain Murphy. I'll patch you through. Holy crap! If you're looking for me, you better check out.
<laughs> okay, we can we can leave it there, I guess. I'll have to do some like shifting on the Captain Murphy voice because I couldn't really get much of an accent. <laughs> it's me, Captain Murphy. <laughs> God, that's that's why they couldn't replace him. It's like it's got the the, the beautiful. They tried. They tried, but like he was carrying. I couldn't believe how much of the show he was carrying. <laughs> it didn't occur to me until this watch. <laughs> like all yeah. of my good memories are just of Captain Murphy. Like nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah, oh, the dialogue just just from him. Everything else a lot more hit and miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we can we can uh, we can get into it. Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm Captain Zane. <laughs> yep. You do get to reprise your role as a captain. I I feel like a captain. I have a captain's hat. Yeah. That I mean that's that's the that, those are the prerequisites. <laughs> that 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 is a plot point of one. It, it, that is the entirety of one episode. You have to have a captain's hat, and you have to be able to. Uh, very deftly fold your arms behind your back. Yes. Very yes, good. Yes, I see. Very good. So Carry on. <laughs> Carry on, then. Um, the more times God, you... it's so fucking Star Trek, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's trying. Uh, anyway, uh, my name is Ben. Time. You are Zane. Uh, this is the Carton Cast, the show where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And today we have a very special episode for you all. Zane, what are we watching? Watching C Lab twenty twenty one here on the Carton Cast, brought to you by Grizzlebees Cowboys. <laughs> Grizzlebees with the mu- honey maple pino sauce. Yeah, I remember that. I've Some got, I got a lot of. I've <laughs> with cookie bread. I have a lot of memories of this show, Zane. It's the same thing as Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which just flashes of good funny jokes, and the rest just sort of falls away. <laughs> the the rest is just very plodding and like dead in the water, really, <laughs> to mm-hmm. keep with the nautical metaphors. You got to um, remember the people at Adult Swim. Like, yeah, they 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 had good ideas, but they just didn't have the like gumption to pad out a show with all the normal stuff and they just were like this is part of our charm we're awkward and we wait a while oh well well that's the thing is that this is like the start of adult swim mm-hmm. like this is where it got its legs this this set the tone legs. yeah this set the tone um so i think that this show actually you know that the sea lab 2021 uh it's the third part of our trilogy uh so i at least that's what i call it mm-hmm. um it's it is Right amongst the likes of uh, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, and Space Goes Coast to Coast, there were three shows which cut up old Hanna-Barbera cartoons and reconfigured them with a abridged dub that, uh, you know, yeah, I think is actually much. pretty pretty, pretty good idea for, like, I think it's nice creative conceit, and it really does cut costs, so I can see why there were a few of these. This is the earliest one, I believe. Yeah, the well, no, Space Ghost was the was the first, but it oh, was, was that a lot. The first one? But it was a lot less, you know, quote unquote, abridged. It was clearly trying to be a talk show. Yeah, it was trying to do something cohesive and new, and this was yeah. very much kind of. Well, I, I so don't the, think you're. I don't think you're off by comparing it to like the YouTube abridged series because there's going to be a lot of talking about that for this time. But I, th- I think we should start with like production because this is fascinating in like. It, how it kind of started with Adult Swim and what they went on to create. Yeah, so Sea Lab 2021 ran from 2000 to 2005 on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. It actually prepeared, uh, premiered a little bit before Adult Swim, uh, along with some other William Street productions, like uh, Har- like we said, Harvey Birdman, um, and then Aqua Teen Hunger Force, of, of course, is a weird 
thing that we'll have to talk about at some point but i'm fine kicking that can down the road yeah um that one that one deserves a whole that might be a 200th episode or something (laughs) it was produced by adam reed and matt thompson in their production company 7030 productions which referred to their writing and producing responsibilities which i kind of like that yeah i mean like that's the same that's a good ratio for producing stuff we had it in treasure planet with like the mix of Mm -hmm. future futuristic to fantastical stuff so that's yeah, primary and secondary. It's like yeah, a they, golden ratio. You need like a 70-30. It's for, very for close to the golden models. ratio. They went yeah. on to work on Frisky Dingo, which I know you like, or like I'm, last time I'm, you looked at it. <laughs> I love it. And then they went on from that. To form Floyd County Productions, making Archer. Yes. So this is kind of the blueprint historical record fossilized version that would eventually lead to Archer. So there is a lot of important stuff here yeah you see the dna this this is like the these are the neanderthals to archer's homo erectus if you will i will uh yeah so even though coming back to this show i've got some problems with it i still really appreciate it as the starting point for something that became a show that i loved and then a show that everyone loved and i i I think it's what we're gonna find on this is yes it hasn't aged great but it was really well suited to the time that it was made and it even acknowledged in several episodes like we know this is not going to age great like which is something we know and we don't care we're not making it for that oh absolutely Uh, and that's something they would later do in frisky like the best way to view this show is experiment so like the the history of it is that adam reed and matt thompson were uh were uh were employees uh i think just kind of drones of the of, of cartoon network mm-hmm. when they first pitched this show to them and it got shot down and then yeah, later, they weren't they weren't ready for it yeah they weren't ready for it like i mean valid like it was it <laughs> it was worse than what you now see it happened like the pilot was very slipshod but that they they thought they had something and when they started their own company the seventy thirty company they sort of started uh really figuring out what they wanted to do with this show and what I think they wanted to do with it, I think its intent was sort of a hotbed testing ground kind of nuclear test facility for what our audience is going to respond to and tolerate in terms of like what we think is a funny idea over time they refined this aesthetic but refined in the way that uranium is refined where it's more concentrated but also dangerous yeah I, I don't know if that's necessarily a good comparison I think the you know i'm sticking with it <laughs> well like okay that that's fine but like we'll get further into it like uh, the ways in which this is the rawest form mm-hmm. of their comedy stylings and that like later that and by doing this they set the groundwork for okay now we're gonna do something now that we've kind of tested which ideas work and which ones don't we're gonna try something else that we love and they made frisky dingo and mm-hmm. that was i think also pretty experimental in some ways yeah like and, and by experimental, I'm not referring to the fact that they're cutting up an old cartoon and kind of playing with it and, and remodeling it. I'm referring to the conceit of the entire show of C-Lab 2021. Each episode is so starkly different. There's a ton of pop culture references and straight up just like parody of a, a beloved like sci-fi concept. Um, and, and a lot of the time, 
they're just messing with the audience just to see how they'll react. Like an entire episode done with no visuals until like the very end or like a whole episode yeah. that is just a single joke repeated three times. Like it's just very experimental the way they try to tell jokes. It's not like a sitcom formula format that they It feels like an improv new. show. It yeah, exactly. They tried something new and different each time and I think part of that you know, I, I can't really speak to their motives, but part of that did lay the framework for creating stuff that has become a beloved franchise, by which I mean Yeah, much, much more mainstream appeal mm-hmm. there. Yeah, this... They've sort of honed their edges and, like, filed their claws. So, so to kind of state outright what they do here, uh, it's based on and uses footage from the 1972 show C-Lab 2020, which is about adventures in an undersea base in the near future. Like you say, it's very Star Trek. It's just underwater instead of in it's, space. It's underwater Star Trek. I don't know if you went back to look at any of the original. I didn't, but I watched the episode that they did here, which is just a shot-for-shot remake of an old episode with just redubbing the exact same lines, basically to show that they could. Uh, again, <laughs> like, we're not experimental. Like We're doing they're, this they're, because we can. They're testing we out what We're you that we know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Very but, self-aware. But I did watch one episode of the former thing, and it has kind of strong imagery of uh you know environmental concepts very mm-hmm. captain planet at times but yeah. all of the character like johnny quest actually like all of the dialogue is very earnest and serious and professional so like all of the um all of the the captain and his lieutenants and stuff talking to each other it does have that steady as she goes mate aye aye captain uh that 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 sort of back and forth yeah, and that that goes to show you, like, in the 70s, we had faith in our institutions, and in the year 2000, we did not. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. Um, now, I, maybe because of the era in which C-Lab was released, the early 2000s, uh, all of these jokes are hitting pretty good with youth who are disillusioned with both government and you know, are just anti-authoritarian in general. Yeah, there was a lot of that sort of streak coming out around this time. You know, a lot of people who were like, ooh, South Park doesn't look too hard to make. Let's just do kind of like that. Um, But rather than that, like, sort of high-paced, edgy for its own sake, this one was much more like, like, I don't want to say thoughtful and contemplative, but like, slower and deliberate. I'm not, I'm not sure I, I feel that way. It, it, this is a pretty hard show to peg down, so we're going to have to give ourselves some wherewithal to be a little bit wrong. Yeah, it's it's weird. Be, and all, like but, you say, every episode's really different. So when we say, like, in general, this happens, like, you will find plenty of counterexamples. That's true. I, I do want to underline a point that you just made, though, which is that, you know, it is, it, it probably, you know, this was this was a cult classic. You know, this this kind of started adult swims popularity like it got Mm -hmm. a huge spike because of this show and if you look online the reviews of it are all very positive yeah you know like kind of across the board and it did appeal to that you know moody older teen disillusioned and anti-authoritarian streak because it shows a government institution presumably being complete fucking idiots and yeah you couple that vindication of looking at government stooges being you know Doing yeah, that catty kind of thing. and yeah. wacky. And, you, know, and you, you combine that with absurdist comedy and kind of dark comedy at times mm-hmm. and satirical comedy, that's that's a potent brew for an older teen. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of uh, current 
sitcoms, you know, like The Office or, or Parks oh, and sure. Rec. Like, it's the same sort of, like, here's authority that exists everywhere around you. Isn't it weird? And this yeah. one was just kind of, like... I don't because it, it's that's not the only thing this does. <laughs> this, no, this really does a whole lot of stuff. It's it's very because it's so experimental. It's hard to peg down with generalities because it's yeah. not like anything really generally. So uh, yeah, so we can I be a little we can be a little weird with with our analysis be a of this one. Loose. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I think that's enough of a of a framework to start. Um, so let's uh, run down the plot. Yeah. So what? Nope. No plot. <laughs> I mean, well, okay. Not really. So, like, there are there are characters. They have traits. They have relationships with each other. And yes, there's they do. The, but but nothing else between episodes really counts. Like, C Lab is destroyed frequently at the end of the episode. Characters are murdered. There's changes in the power structure. Usually, nothing really matters. It kind of feels like each episode is like a new reincarnation or like a peg of the multiverse. Where like yeah. just this is this is like hey C Lab but something else happened like they all got addicted to drugs or like they needed to become a tourist destination like it's it it sort of reminds me of Future <laughs> Man the first season of Future Man a little bit in that mm-hmm. every episode yes it's done with the same people and I guess not exactly because they actually follow continuity but they're just kind of aping a different sci fi trope and seeing what they can do with it yeah this is even more ridiculous than that because. It is almost as though they are treating the setting and the characters and the relationships between those characters as a set of tools to kind of just arrange on a collage and see what pops out. Very, you know, kind of true to its roots. They are playing with the frames of animation and then just recontextualizing them. And in the same way, they recontextualize the same building blocks and then just in each episode arrange them differently and talk about a new thing and somehow come up with a new premise let, let's let me give an example of this so there's yes, an please. episode they take the sci-fi plot of like deep impact like an asteroid's coming toward the earth and we're all going to be destroyed if we don't stop it the way that that's interpreted is um the c lab got a new hd tv <laughs> That's another thing that they, that is that is very similar to both Archer and uh, I guess specifically the character of Archer, which is that there's some dire shit going on. Like he he's got to do <laughs> but some it's over espionage. There. <laughs> he's got to do some espionage stuff. Like he's got to like uh, get some secret documents, assassinate this person, and get back out. All he cares about is dumb shit. Like I absolutely yes. want to take a dip in that hot tub because when am I going to get the chance again? Exactly. And, He's so excited about the mundane stuff, despite the danger and, like, high-action kind of espionage content going on around him, that the dichotomy is really funny. So when there's a deep impact situation (laughs) and all anyone can talk about is their new HGTV. Well, (laughs) I made this mistake for many years. It's HDTV high definition. HG is the Home and Garden Network. I I I always conflated those. I said HDTV. (laughs) It just maybe came out weird. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of I, I do appreciate you outing yourself as having made that mistake though for years years so, but the thing is in archer that's a character point because he's such a good secret agent that like it bores him to be these high high octane you know action scenes like he's used to it already i mean it it, it is here there's kind of no reason <laughs> i don't know it's 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 also pretty holistic in frisky dingo as well like you'll, you'll constantly have people going to and from superhero battles talking about dog party it's as close to a through line as these shows have yeah and Um, and that's where we're going to get the through lines between the shows is like what the style of comedy and this is one of them 
But the way that this plot line works, like I said, it's like an improv show. There's a somewhat innocuous event at the beginning. It snowballs into a disaster. So the beginning, um, Sparky, one of the characters, signs for this TV that's supposed to go to Space Lab. We find out <laughs> over the course of the ep- and in Space Lab, everyone is the is like exact clones of the people in Sea Lab, except any. Well, they're serious. Well, no, they're exactly the same level of serious, but everyone who's black is white and everyone who's white is black. <laughs> this show has some weird relationship with race. <laughs> with everything. I mean, sure, but like... But Space Lab was supposed to use that TV as the perfect weapon to destroy the asteroid. What? How? Oh, is no, no, it no. just like also a killer robot somehow? D- no, it, they were. it was just they were going to shoot it at it, and for some reason it had to be an HDTV. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. And so, like, we go between, like, they're watching TV and, you know, we get this sort of, like, clip show, what are some stupid, like, advertisements we can watch, to the only competent people on either station saying, like, wait, you need, why do you need the TV to destroy the asteroid? (laughs) Like, the exact same question you raised, which is perfectly reasonable, but they... They tied themselves up and they have to follow it. The difference between this and Archer is that... In Archer, one person is like has weird priorities, and everybody else understands the premise. And in this show, one person understands the like one one person understands the premise, and everybody else has weird priorities. Yes. So like Um, that's like and like I'm again with generalities. That's not always true. It's as close as I can get to like a a consistent thing. Yeah. So sometimes it's you know the sci-fi thing where like oh it's an asteroid or oh we hit a time loop and now we need to get out of the time loop even though it keeps happening. Yep. And then other times it's just like Captain Murphy is operating under this strange belief that there's a golf course and a pro shop on C-Lab, and there's not. And he just, like, drives <laughs> a golf cart you, around Eggers. and abuses people around him. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, it, and, like, you know, the Deep Impact situation, that's not even the only time they did it. No. <laughs> like, there's an episode called iRobot where it's, like, a th- it's pretty early in the season, which I think is actually one of the stronger episodes of... There is, like, a, a huge hurricane that has created hull breaches all throughout Sea Lab, but rather than try to fix them, the entire team of, like, the entire team is just talking about what it would be like to be put into a robot body, and just yes. sort of, like, kind of doing just a game You're of doing the what if. Thing. Yeah. yeah, like, would you do it? No. Would you do it if you got laser eyes? Well, okay, then. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> if you did do it, which side of the robot war would you be on? It's like, well, I don't know. Did Hesh already turn into a giant robot cat? Like, it's, it like, and <laughs> the entire time a warning klaxon is going off and Dr. Quinn is trying to be like, why are you not worried about the thing? Yeah, yeah. So it's the and same situation. And the humor comes both from that juxtaposition as well as, like, these sort of stoner conversations they have. And the, and, and the seriousness seriousness with which they take them. Right. And, and again, experimental, experimental, experimental. It doesn't always do that. Sometimes it hits a joke in a way that they think is funny, and they hammer it into the ground kind of too much to the point at which, like, I honestly, this show is real high highs and low lows to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I had a really hard time powering through a couple episodes where they clearly didn't have... I don't know, enough, like, care or ideas to actually merit 11 minutes of jokes. So they had, like, five minutes of jokes and then, like, a lot of padding dialogue. Not even padding dialogue, just, like, just, like, dead air where they look at each other. (laughs) I mean, yeah, and sometimes it's for a beat panel, which can be, like, good comedic timing. And sometimes it is 
just it's not simply not yeah yeah which again i'll say it i'm gonna keep saying it experimental like testing bed that's what this yes. was and that is one of the parts that I, I think it really shows its age in terms of uh you know what would i have enjoyed as a absurd humor loving anti-authoritarian like you know uh sort of guy in high school that as a person who has kind of calmed down a bit and doesn't hate you know everything that adults stand for so much uh as as i am right now like the the differences are just night and day oh like what i'm willing to tolerate (laughs) for the sake of weirdness yeah yeah um Uh, do you have uh, strong memories about this show you know, like you say, there's a lot of Captain Murphy dialogue that pops up, and I, I sought it out. Yeah, of course um, you did. And it's, like you say, it's not even all good. It's just that experimental, the way that they're able to play with things, is engaging for its own sake. So they'll do an episode where they know they're actors. They, <laughs> it looks like they're just... They break a lot of fourth wall here. On the set of the show. Surprised that Deadpool did not show up. And... Like, that's an interesting premise before that also got kind of beaten into the ground. Or a whole episode where Captain Murphy, um, like, tries to get soda from a vending machine and it falls on him. The Bebop Cola him. episode. It's just him, like, getting more and more fevered and delirious and talking to a scorpion, which is there for some reason. Yep. The, the, that's the episode. That The whole thing. And, like, I think it's a high high because I respect that attempt. And because I have some nostalgia for the dialogue, I don't know if I could convince a newcomer to be like, oh, yeah, that's funny. I watched that episode with Ethan and looking at it through his eyes, it's not. <laughs> it's, right? <laughs> it's just kind of sad. It's just um, kind of sad. It's just kind of there. At, at the same time, I agree with you that, like, I can appreciate it on both those axes because, you know, we've been looking at cartoons for a while. I can appreciate something on an axis that isn't enjoyment. Yes. And the Bebop Cola episode is that axis. Like, yeah, I, it's... I can't believe what they do with the Bebop Cola episode. And it has a couple funny moments of dialogue, but a lot of it is that, okay, and more evidence that he's losing his mind. And, you know... More it, bad things happening to him. Yeah, more... more. We're supposed to laugh because it's sad kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, the, uh, and, like, that, you know, I think it's the miracle of hindsight of where, like, at the time, there was nothing like C-Lab, and it had enough good things where, like, I could latch onto that, and I forgot a lot about the... All the other stuff that just kind of came with those high highs. Yeah, we talked about this when we watched Clerks because, you know, you and the uh, and our guests, you know, you guys had seen Clerks as young guys, and I had not, and I couldn't appreciate it because by the time I saw it, it wasn't experimental anymore. Maybe that's something, maybe, maybe, maybe it is sort and of a... That, that's the hazard of experimental works is they don't age great. Which makes kind of our role in this more important than ever of, like, looking back on it and being like, is this actually independently good of the zeitgeist that it was yeah, created? I mean, there, there's some experimental stuff that's really good, but it was already quality. You know, you look at Fantasia and that holds up because what it was is not only good for its experimentalism or its dated references. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of a history is wit- written by the winners sort of thing. Like, this had mm-hmm. enough of experiments that worked that uh it it kind of just dragged the rest of the carcass of sea lab 2021 through through time i think the i think the frisky dingo archer you know i think that trend line makes a lot of sense because these guys were like we're making the show for the time it's airing yeah that's, that's i imagine true. i imagine frisky dingo might not hold up the same way and people in 2000 probably weren't ready for it well i'm i i, I i'm kind of prone to thinking that i don't know like 
part of me rebels pretty hard at the idea that it couldn't hold up as well but like at the same time at the same time i thought c lab 2021 would hold up okay and it kind of doesn't yeah i mean like it's weird because we're talking a lot of sugar about it but so much of that is remembered we have such strong memories of it like i I, like to 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 bring my own own memories of it uh you know i my friends and i in high school and like my friendship in high school was fucking awful like i mean like you know there were good (laughs) there were there were good moments of it like there was no emotion you, in the same you way. You were that not the captain of your friendship ship. No, no, I wasn't. In, in the same way that, like, it just men of you know under twenty five years of age can't actually admit that they have emotions about anything, and that when they do admit that they have emotions, it's like a tear, tearful confession that they you know have some sort of illness. Like you're you're just not allowed to have kind of deep conversations in that era. Hmm. Um. So this was the the. The level of the discourse between me and my friend groups were like, remember that funny thing that I've referenced before? And that's like as far as I could go. <laughs> and like, it's it's crazy to me that that was my interaction with people in those in those ages. But it, in those ages, this, like this was this was gold. This was worth its weight in gold. I could be like, I'm going to watch all of this and then I will have snappy references for the next week. This is why it was a cult following, because as long as you have seen these characters once and the way they talk and the way they interact, a two minute summary of an episode is way more funny than the 11 minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does benefit from that kind of angry beavers. Let's just list the summary plot line. <laughs> but, 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 you know, like I, I can imagine I can see like a lot of reasons that the you know me reciting to my friend group like it's me debbie it's captain murphy that's enough that's enough to engender goodwill toward them so i would do it a lot in a way that i'm sure was like too much but like you know why that's stuck in your head as a catchphrase because he says it like eight times in the episode and it's not (laughs) funny when you're watching it (laughs) because he says it eight times it's absolutely funny when i'm watching it that whole episode was gold for me well that was was a good you know you and uh, a lot of this is just specific episode references, but I'm going to put in one more because well, it, we're it's here. It's so high, high, and it's so variance. It's so variance specific that you have to throw in a lot of references to episode specific stuff. So go ahead. It also just it explains a lot. Um, I'm thinking of the Bizarro episode. I have. Where, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Where again, this is the two minute summary. Um, we start in media res, the crew is tied up, and they're bizarro doppelgangers from some of... It's not explained where they're it's from. so good. They're interrogating them, and they're threatening them, and demanding death rays, or diamonds, or who knows what, and the crew is just trying to, like, talk their way out of it, and just having a hell of a time interacting with people weirder than them. Yeah. And everyone just says their catchphrases for, like, five minutes. And that summary, without the catchphrase part, sounds really good, because it is. It's a funny premise. Mm-hmm. holy shit does it not deliver upon a rewatch <laughs> right and like i'm, I'm sorry for parts people, of it do i'm sorry for people who have listened to c lab before and who have watched c lab before and like remember this as one of the high points i did too man yeah. like i remember the whole i'm bizarro stormy i'm regular story stormy and granted that part is still very funny that part's funny because bizarro stormy is like talking and ice cubes are falling out of his mouth but there's no re- like there's no reason for it <laughs> So like, but like the the majority of it is fucking unwatchable. It's mm-hmm. so bad, and I can't believe how bad it is. You know, like of the whole. You know, I'm explaining again that everything is bizarro. Okay, I got it. Okay, now the other side is also explaining. Oh, don't you mean bizarro? I'm like, I don't understand what the joke is anymore. You're just being fucking annoying. And there's like this 
terrible auto-tuned gremlin that keeps on hopping on everyone, screaming Bizarro the whole time. Yeah. It's it's like ear chaos. I can't handle it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I think I cut you off pretty hard there. No, that's, that's, that's exactly the point I wanted to make. And it's, you know, it it's harder to describe these things because it does feel like improv a lot of the time. It does. Um, and if, if you haven't seen the show before and you only know it from our descriptions, you're probably like, well, I, I, I don't know. I feel like this sounds pretty good. <laughs> Just like seeing, seeing all this stuff happen. But remember, when we say all this stuff is happening, they're standing and talking and it's happening. There's not like a lot of movement to a company and let it go down easier. Right. I, I, think, I don't think that's even the problem. I feel like the writing was just a little bit lacking in certain situations. Like because it's yeah, they, so they experimental. Yeah, they let the premise carry it. They as had far as tools. It could. Like they worked in Cartoon Network. The the pair did have tools to write certain kinds of funny dialogue. Like the Blackout mm-hmm. episode is hilarious, but mm-hmm. for episodes where like they're so far in their bag of absurd comedy that I actually don't even know which way is up anymore. Yeah. They they start to. They start to tread their tire. They they start to tread their. Uh, what's the what's the aphorism here? No, they tread their tires. They tread, they tread their tires pretty hard. Yeah, and you know, there's there's also like medium episodes where they actually have a plot line and they kind of sell it as a more honest homage of uh, of a plot right, of a sci-fi like the tribbles trope. Episode. So like the, the tribbles. I was thinking the Fantastic Voyage one. I'm I'm sure uh, that happened, but oh yeah, oops, dark their ass. Yeah, yeah, I they, they that now. Sh- yeah. Um, um, okay, so and then there's also the low tier episodes where they're just walking around insulting each other, and then the base blows up, and there's not a ton of great dialogue to to carry it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, it's pretty. Clear. And I legit can't bring any to mind for that reason. It's pretty clear watching an episode whether or not there was a, you know, kind of kind of a, th- a kind of a through line thought, kind of a a mission statement for the episode almost. Yeah. Or whether it was just kind of a deadline thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think yeah. I think what we're going to end up on is watch it if you're high, <laughs> if you're 13 years old, or if you've traveled back in time to 2002. Yeah. That, uh, that's kind of it. Maybe so. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not willing to shut the, I'm not willing to condemn the show to those specific circumstances yet. I, I think we should get into the nuts and bolts a little bit more because we, we talked yeah. a lot about generalities and just emoted at each other for a bit there so let's, let's talk hard about the to describe it's hard to describe unless you have a lot of examples but it yeah is. Let's... so let's talk about the most uh, emblematic character in the show captain murphy i must have my delicious cupcakes my sweet cakey treasures piping hot from their 40 watt womb danny devito <laughs> nope Man, i know not we talk Dan- about this rather frequently but this show is always sunny in philadelphia <laughs> and all <laughs> of these guys have a, a corresponding Sylvia, character i can't believe that i don't it's not danny devito i mean i guess it is kind of like frank reynolds a little bit mm-hmm. let, let me set this up the way i i conceive of captain Please. Murphy, who's who's voiced by uh, Harry goes or Gauze. Look at him, Ben. He's Captain Murphy. He, uh, which you know, the, the strength of this character is really felt because uh, at the second that he, so Henry got Harry Gauze died during you know during its runtime, and he was actually replaced with a different captain because Captain Murphy went to go fight in the Spice Wars. Dune reference, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, if you don't know Dune, the idea of a Spice War sounds like hilarious because this is supposed to be like the optimistic future not like 1600s asia it's a weird jetsons moment yeah uh but like captain murphy 
he like he was such a successful emblematic part of the show that when he got replaced by a different person by a different captain the show tanked i don't know that it tanked i liked parts of it the audience um, i didn't even mind the new captain but it it had fewer of those high highs. I mean, to be I'm telling sure. I'm telling you the audience ship like found like market decrease in quality and like view like viewership. I do like that his it was his son who voiced the new uh, captain. That's nice. That's a nice kind of legacy. Kind of but yeah, they definitely got and this is weird to say they definitely got weirder after that. So uh, to to bring because like to the mind, insanity quotient had to stay the same. He was the weirdest part of the show, and so like it could be localized. Like he was, mm-hmm. he was your metric for judging weirdness. Um, and, and the the way he phrases his weirdness is he's a man child with too much power and energy. Yeah, it's and it funny can be right because he can be yeah. done well in the right environment. And being slightly more unhinged than the surrounding cast is that environment. Like he's he's just a little bit more of a cuckoo bird than everybody else who are also kind of cuckoo birds. And it's the same thing that is done in Frisky Dingo with Xander Cruz, person mm-hmm. of privilege and authority. He's got like, he's got leadership over a bunch of people, but he gets very easily distracted, and he has very skewed, childish priorities. And that, yeah, that, that that's basically exactly what I wrote. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like unconstrained by sanity, but a person in power. Like that's a great combo for for humor. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're like living through it in like our current political climate, and then it's kind of fucking scary. Well, that's more of an issue of the dialogue, right? <laughs> like <laughs> that's the problem here. Maybe, maybe so, but you know, this is this is a great character. Like he's wonderfully voice acted, generally well written, and. He just steals the stage whenever he shows up. He he can and sometimes does just have a scene all by himself. He had just a whole episode by himself, and it's like one of the more memorable episodes. Yeah. You know, um, he's, and he's got like enough quirks of weird behavior that because he's a captain, he doesn't have to explain to anyone. Right. Where it's, it would be questionable, like... Where, where, where are you going with that uh, pinball machine, rookie? But because he's the captain, he just has a pinball machine. We all have to accept <laughs> it. And like in any other show, there'd be a reason why he'd have it. Like, oh, I need this for a legit reason, but it's going to look weird to people who aren't in the know. No, there's no legit reason here. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he, I don't know. His his enthusiasm is contagious. Like his, in yes. the Tribbles episode. When, so happy to be there. For some reason, they get like these little white blob creatures that replicate too much it's a gremlins reference really yeah uh, it's and tribbles yeah it's a, it's both like this is yeah the sci-fi parodies to high heaven and they do that and he is just regardless of how much of a danger they represent he's always smitten with them he loves them and he eventually like enacts a war against his own people because he yeah. loves the tribbles more yeah absolutely yeah, uh, I, I actually can't say anything bad about him. I loved him kind of entirely. Yeah, there's. I, I think for each of the characters, we're kind of kind of trying to emphasize an episode that really really showed their them. strengths. Mm-hmm. And there's just it's every episode for him. Yeah, he never does bad. Like even in the Bizarro episode, which is difficult for me. Yeah, for yeah. a lot of reasons, his personality comes through in a genuinely comedic way, which is <laughs> <Yeah>. like like. <laughs> Like he's he's smitten with one of the Bizarro clones that doesn't look anything like Doctor Quinn, even though they call him Bizarro <laughs> Quinn. And like he just very quickly forgets that there's like a danger issue, and he's just like, ha, 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 I'm gonna feed him a peanut. 
<laughs> and like Quinn is getting quote unquote interrogated, but he's actually, you know, having Pointing sex with one of the Bizarro, Bizarro Debbie. Yeah, with yeah. Bizarro Debbie. And everybody else is like, come on, Quinn, why are you doing that? And Captain Murphy has <laughs> no idea. Oh my god, they're killing him. <laughs> yeah. Good lord, he's in pain. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes out and he's like wearing a bathrobe like a Hugh Hefner bathrobe and he's like whew that was a, that was a rough interrogation and he's just like way to go Quinn <laughs> way to keep <laughs> that, your lips tight that earnest lack of awareness and like it's even in beautiful. the end of that episode where where his bizarro clone is like we want the diamonds <laughs> it just gives the like, damn diamond death beans we we already gave them to you they're in your truck. <laughs> oh, no, I think uh, Quinn said that. Yeah, yeah, the, Captain Murphy still doesn't get it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a perfect Murphy mix. And, it. like, they did it in, uh, they do it in that, and they do it partially with the character of Archer, you know, like, with those very strange spots of, like, uh, or, or Xander Cruz specifically, the whole, I don't know how to connect to the internet, and I think that the president is in charge of both U.S. and Canada. It's, like, surprisingly large blind spots of common knowledge yeah blind spots no person would have <laughs> yeah no person who functioned in not just their society but any society could possibly have you would have to be yeah. like a second language speaker it yeah would, kid, kid who got into the growth formula <laughs> yeah he's just he's he's the right depiction of a man child and it's very funny you know the the main foil to him and really to everyone is uh is quinn yep and quinn plays the straight man but he like he also gets into his own antics sometimes like sometimes he goes on a power trip or something but he's he's mostly like by the book no, but no, in a he, way he's that's the not straight boring. man yeah you know that's a, that's absolutely that's absolutely what it is um and he, he's not boring because he's able to say to people what the hell are you doing yeah right he's, the, he's the audience stand-in that like gives us kind of the license to laugh at everything because it's Mm. really fucking insane so like it, it you know in something like perfect hair forever where it, it, it's entirely unhinged he 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 kind of grounds us so that we can follow captain murphy and marco and shanks and like everything down these weird rabbit holes that make no sense because like he's always mm -hmm. there to be like why do you care about this at all it's crazy yeah um yeah it, also well no i i, I would I, that that that's i i didn't complete that thought um yeah i, I like, think he does uh, an okay uh, what job. do you what what do you think works about him because in a lot of shows the straight man is like yeah we get why he needs to be here but it's not interesting here i actually like him as a character like, I, I think I he's very too. charismatic yeah and and he's not without fault right like he is kind of that brain like that brainchild egomaniac kind of thing where like he probably stays at, like, if you wanted to give this show a plot, which it doesn't need, he probably stays at C-Lab for kind of a Zim reason where he just needs someone to talk down to. Like, he gets paired with Stormy a lot for exactly that reason. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't mind actually explaining stuff to Stormy because he's never really judged by Stormy because Stormy doesn't really do judgment in the way that, like, Debbie or Marco or anyone else would. So he's got the only Sandman status, but, like, I don't know. I thought that he was well personalized mm -hmm. even though some of those personality characteristics are like quasi black exploitation funkification because <laughs> like yeah. he's a black man and he does talk in jive on a surprising amount of the time <laughs> yeah you know this is just endemic to adult swim in general and they just like writing really like pc and they culture do this, they do this with uh they do this with debbie as well like yep. 
you got you got writers who are exclusively white and male. Like you're yeah. just gonna miss the mark Marco in ways says that are Dio's really egregious a now. Good amount of time with no like with like no irony in their to. voices. <laughs> so like a lot like, of the time he yeah. you know kind of talks and jive, and that's a little bit uncomfortable. And you know he he does kind of slip into like a sultry flirting with the white woman sort of character. Yeah, you times. know, kiss my black ass that sort of. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> But like, like, but here's the surprising thing: it's more character than most of the others have. So I also enjoyed that bit of character about him <laughs> because it, it it felt kind of real and grounded. Because I needed something. I needed, I needed so I would have taken anything. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure why it works better than it should uh, for him. I I think just because they. I think it's because because it his his kind of his speech patterns and the fact that he's black are facets of his personality that are not used as the butt of a joke. Yeah, generally not. Generally not. Every, everything gets a turn in this yeah, show. Yeah, that's true. But I, I agree that I, I think he works pretty good. Mm-hmm. Someone who works a little less fluently is uh, Debbie. Yeah, White Debbie. White Debbie. Is her, is her nickname so, because there's also Black Debbie. Yeah, she is voiced by Kate Miller, whom, a couple points of trivia... Kate Miller is also someone from Frisky Dingo, the character of Grace mm. Ryan, which I was watching with Ethan, and he was like, is that Grace Ryan? I'm like, I, I think it is. <laughs> I think so. And yeah, uh, fun point of reference, Kate Miller is married to John DiMaggio. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, that's that's a, that's kind of neat. Um, but, but she does like a good job with her voice acting. Like, this is a good voice actor. They just don't give her a lot to do. It's the whole written by white guys thing that you yeah, she's just a sex pot. Like it's really rough. Like unfortunately, relegated to you know mud flap, and given the makeup of the crew and the demographic of the audience as well, that doesn't come across very good. And it's not even like with Quinn, where like yeah, he's black and also these other character traits. Here, it's just she's, she's token woman. Yeah, and and she also gets a turn at being kind of the straight man for for certain things, but. It's still not great. Like, she just yeah, well, is the sex person or the woman person as the plot or joke, like, demands. Like, there's... She's the... Yeah, there, there's... She's a, the voice of reason when the other characters are being assholes, but she doesn't object when they're being insane. But, and, like, there are moments where, like, we need the woman to do something because that's how we know to write a woman character. So, at yeah. some point during the Bebop Cola episode... Uh, it goes like, where is everyone? And it pans away to a concert by MC Chris, who we'll talk about. We, I don't want to talk about MC Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're all in the audience. And because this is a woman in an audience who is like, who loves the performer, she just, you know, takes her top Flashes off to show, to show her yeah. tits to the, to the performer. Which I think she does on average like half of every episode. Oh, oh is it? Is it? I, I, like every other episode, you're going to see something. I, to that I didn't. Effect. I didn't dive for statistics on that one. Yeah, but like, if a woman can do a thing in a plot, she's the one to do it. Well, and, and then she has sex with the band, and then she gets pregnant. Like these are all like, you didn't write a character. No, you didn't. You you wrote a like the oh the, like the the writers are like okay, what are things that women do? They have boobs. They sometimes show them. What are the other things are woman characteristics? They have periods and get pregnant. Okay, let's put that in the show. Like, it just, like, there is no personality beyond her being a woman. Yeah. They get better at this in Archer and Frisky Dingo, but not by much. <laughs> <laughs> there's but well, a learning there's other curve. other people in the writer's room, then. There's a learning curve there. 
Yeah. Uh, in in yeah, in Archer, it's actually like they start getting this, they start locking this down a little better. Frisky Dingo, it is kind of the same character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a little unfortunate, and she doesn't add much to the to the to the to the cast either. Like she's like no, other straight she, man, like I said. Yeah, she kind of dilutes the the punchy dialogue mm-hmm. a little. Which is unfortunate. I think I'm going to take a moment to recognize that I like Stormy. Yeah, because he is like we always fall in love with this character. This uh, this is Charlie from It's Always Sunny. This is Here he is. <laughs> this is Zach from uh, Fern Gully. This is Josh Mankey from Kim Possible. We always love the beautiful idiot. Yeah, and he's um, his voice is charming. You know, his voice is charming. It turns so he's voiced by Ellis Hennigan, who is a Fox News contributor and talk show radio host. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's they, a they, little tricky. They actually put his political commentary out of Stormy's mouth on a season three DVD special feature. Like they just like animate him talking. Oh my god, that is bonkers. <laughs> Um, that's a and, trip uh, I, I don't know maybe he's not terrible he, he apparently co-wrote a book called the party's over how the extreme right hijacked the gop and i became a democrat but, um, okay I, i'm not gonna listen to talk radio nope <laughs> sure like that's, I could that's, read a book. that's beyond my terms <laughs> as a as a carton caster it, it's weird it's weird that like where i am as a person is so suggestible that because he was the voice of stormy i'm willing to him i'm willing to give him the space of a of a conversation whereas like if you gave me fox news contributor that would not be enough but voice of stormy okay i'll I'll hear what you have to say well man you know it can't be all bad right (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe i'm the way that i am no i mean like stormy's quite charming he is and like he's one of the better voice actors on this i i i love his just like I'm happy to be here characteristic where yeah. like like he'll say something dumb and get locked in a dungeon and we'll check in on him and he's a skeleton and he'll just spend the rest of the episode walking around and just as normal but he's a skeleton <laughs> he's just so chill like he's he's the he's the rich kid on like who is taking a break from like between semesters because he got thrown out on his ass because his grades were failing mm-hmm. and his rich dad got him a cushy job at sea lab because he didn't want to look at him I think the episode where he shines is the time warp yep. one, where he and Quinn get, keep getting blasted back 15 minutes, Let, and Quinn let's just set keeps this... on asking him, like, why are you the way you are? Let's set this up, because, like, this is one of the better episodes, I would say, mm-hmm. and, like, yeah. it, it's one of the more emblematic of the series, because it, it just showcases everything I love about the show. So, yes. Quinn and Stormy are, like, first of all, the premise is adorable, and it does that, yeah, you, you... it does the same, like, this is dangerous, but nobody cares about the danger part. Everyone cares about the dumb shit. Where it's the bait and switch, where they're like, yeah, they're they're like uh, cutting wires yeah, and doing like, things, and it's like, oh, this could explode. But they're just be, care- they're stealing be careful, cable. man. Lives are on the line, but they're stealing cable so they can watch <laughs> Chopper Dave. It's so good. Um, so they do that, and, and the the base explodes because it's you know cable piracy, and apparently the cable pirates can like remote detonate Sea Lab somehow. It's not. They real- never. They never gave an, expo- not, an explanation not particularly and i important. didn't need one <laughs> no it's not particularly important how it how it occurs but the point is they get shunted b- backward 15 minutes in time and basically repeat the plot up to the point at which they get shunted back in time multiple times kind of like that angry beavers episode where dag gets punched into last week over and over uh-huh. and has to try to do it different each time and each time 
you know, Quinn just tries they goes to reason with Stormy. Like, l- listen, this keeps happening. We, you gotta keep your mouth shut. We gotta like be able to like focus here. And he's like, he just like, I don't get it, but I really want to play dodgeball. Like, it, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's, it's even better than that because we get Captain Murphy in on it too. Because he goes and like, listen, we got sent back in time. We need to stop them from destroying the base. And Captain Murphy's like, he's a doppelganger. Yeah, which, like, I don't know where he learned that word. But, but. <laughs> no, that's that's too big a word for yeah, him. seriously. Um, and so they get knocked out and sent to the dungeon, and like these time duplicates of them keep piling up and the quins are like pooling their incredible brain power to try and solve things and stormy's just like hey we built a time machine well i guess it's not a time machine so much as it is a dodgeball cannon and like part of the animation that will come back later which is like they don't even try to make it look realistic is the dodgeballs hit the quins that are all standing like bowling pins just completely still with their arms folded and like knocks one of them and it is just a perfect stick like, it's so lazy, but so effective for the it's medium. It's beautiful. It's beautiful in its <laughs> laziness, which I'm going to come back to later. But yeah, uh, just like, yeah, so, just that, that repetition of what are the Stormies doing this time? How are the Quins dealing with that? And like eventually the Quins are like, okay. Or like, you know, they, they kind of We, we talk- distracted them with a piece of string. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I get dibs on the string next. Okay, that piece of string should buy us a few minutes <laughs> while they get distracted. <laughs> it's just very good. Yeah. So, so like he's not that like endemic to the show's function in any way, but just he's 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 very easy on the eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah. Yep. Um, the person who adds a little bit of extra edge and sometimes sets the plot in motion is Sparks. Yeah. Uh, there's not much to say about him. He's like the communications guy. It's revealed later that he's he always moves around in his chair despite not like being at the control station because that's the only mm-hmm. way that the original c lab animated him i assume <laughs> and it's like yeah, but, so he'll always be in places just in the chair where it doesn't make sense which, for him to be it's so funny because like that that also brings to mind something that this production company loves doing which is making a joke out of a consideration that was necessary in order for the plot to function so mm-hmm. like what what i mean by that is in the bebop cola episode where it's captain murphy and he's alone for months and he's like where is everyone and when they finally come back, they say to the camera, wow, who knew that during that concert with <laughs> with MC Chris that he would ask us to be his roadies for a full year? <laughs> and like, the joke is just like they're jumping through so many fucking hoops to make the logic work. And no one needs that, but they do it anyway. It's... And that's kind of the same joke with uh, with Sparky with with the Sparks, where they always animate him in a sitting position, and they always justify it in a way that doesn't actually need to be justified. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> because in one episode he like gets attacked, and he's like, "Oh my god, my legs don't work." He's like, "I thought you were crippled." No, I'm just lazy. Just <laughs> yes. beautiful. It's a beautiful joke. Uh, I actually found his character pretty interesting. You know, this is the Dennis character. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, very good. Continue. He's antisocial and vindictive. We don't know what his goals are, but like, he's they, a sociopath. They stand only to benefit him. So, in one episode, he will try to foment a rebellion. In another episode, he will try to make a bunch of money uh, through some sort of get rich scheme. In another episode, he tries to get the rest of the crew hooked on pills. Yeah, it's it, and that's the that's always that's the start. Yeah, we I, very rarely know why he's doing this. He he is he is very much just an instigator for the plot. You know, mm-hmm. it, he doesn't have much beyond that. 
Um, yeah, I, I, honestly, there's a few other characters. There's this weird guy who talks in the third person named Hesh. He's voiced by MC Chris, a.k.a. MC Pants, which... What a strange microcosm of a man. It's it's very funny to me that MC Chris, in his, like, nerdcore hip-hop... Uh, he, I mean, he found... He found a gold mine, right? He's just like, I'm going to just hitch my wagon to Adult Swim because they get it. And I have a vast listenership that I wouldn't as just a rapper. Yeah, that's, there's a Venn diagram there. Yes. Uh, and like, I appreciated hearing his voice because it reminded me of MCP pants. My backpacks got jets. Well, I'm Boba, the fat. Well, I'm Bounty Hunt for Java Hunt to finance my vet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's a no. <laughs> that's what he's doing. There's Black Debbie. There's Marco, who's like the last. Marco guy. is worth mentioning because he's voiced by Eric Estrada, and I don't know how they got him. So this he he starred in the show Chips, which was like a pretty important cop show. He did some telenovelas. Like he was an actual like name. Like they'll reference his name on the show when they're breaking the fourth wall as like. This is a celebrity, guys. <laughs> and it's weird because, like, every other voice actor here is just like, yeah, you know, we're in theory actors professionally, but, like, we're not in a lot of things. No, I mean, some of them are professional voice actors where, like, the bar for entry is not that high. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, that, that surprises me that they had someone with actual, like... Caliber. Uh, not not caliber, but, like... Fame. Notable caliber, caliber, like, public talent, as opposed to just, like, talent. Unfortunately, they don't really do much with him. He's like the strong macho guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like fine. He 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 turns the butter, I guess. But like, and it's weird because I don't, I didn't like watching the show for the most part. But none of it is because the voice actors are bad. Like the voice actors are no. very good. Yeah, the voice actors are good. The animation style works. Like it's, it's really just that like the the hits that it's giving me don't stand up to the amount of time they're making me wait and the cringiness in between. Yeah, we should we should start talking about kind of the tone and, and genre of this with the with the cringiness because the comedy style of absurdism is is a tricky beast and and we deal with it occasionally. Um mm-hmm. I remember Sheep in the Big City did a little bit of this with more emphasis on wordplay. I don't know if I don't know like Aqua Teen kinda has it down to a formula but occasionally they deviate from that formula and it's tricky Mm -hmm. i don't know if uh i don't know if you have any examples that come to mind for like absurdist comedies you know i feel a lot of i think the ratio is different but this feels a lot like um oh god what was that bad show we watched um it was also an adult swim one or something like it Squid. Uh, Tom goes to the mayor. Squid. Uh, Tom goes to the mayor is 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 a little different <laughs> in a lot of ways. Right, but it's it's like what that show does for awkward. This show does for wacky, but yeah. there's still a lot of other stuff in between. That, like that they didn't true. quite filter out the awkward that they needed to. That is true, and it, like the comedy style of absurdism doesn't necessarily work for eleven minutes. Like it, it's it's there's a lot of shows where there's a defined beginning kind of set up uh, a rising actual a climax and a you know the, the regular shakespearean sense of like how a play functions um mm-hmm. that works for maybe like a 30 minute thing or a 23 minute thing 
and then there are some that are like shorter little little bursts of creativity for a yeah. for a for a streamlined story that are that you can still find those disparate pieces of here's the beginning this is where it's kind of climbing to something and this is where they deliver on it this this yeah, this me... format doesn't really work even for that 11 minute window like it i almost feel like the show needs to be even shorter than it is even short well let me give you an example the episode with the deep impact the reason why that worked and was able to fill its time effectively is because in between the watching tv and like talking about the tv they switched back to the asteroid thing and we got this b plot where the only person willing to talk to space lab is dr quinn and he thinks they're elitist and he just messes with them for a few minutes (laughs) so like you kind of have two plots going simultaneously that works to fill it out but i agree it's this is this was just a few years before internet shorts did what this seemed to want to do i i think this might be why the youtube abridged series phenomenon took off because when you when you when you recut an old thing that used to have you know it, it used to be very kind of long-winded for whatever reason um mm-hmm. and, and you're cutting it up to kind of make punchy jokes i think that you just you you need to really get right to the joke and there's a lot of yeah. meandering in certain episodes. Like, the Bizarro one is the most egregious example, but, like, mm-hmm. there's others. Yeah, the reason why the Abridged series work is because, like, the base material that they're riffing off of is your familiarity with the thing itself. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and like, 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 the Juggernaut bitch. Yeah, the Juggernaut bitch. Our, one of our favorites. <laughs> one of our favorite bitches. Do you have any, like, abridged series that you enjoy? Because, like, I actually don't even like those, but I recognize their merit. Yeah, well, I generally am not a huge fan. I'm thinking of them... So I read a book about, like... Or, or I remember reading from a humor book I read about why... How stereotype jokes work. Mm. Because any joke construction is going to have a thing and then a thing that doesn't quite work with that first thing. Mm. Um, like that's as as bare bones as you can make what a joke is. Sure. And what a stereotype does is it saves you effort by making it so you only have to do one thing, and then the audience fills in the rest be- with their stereotype. Hmm. So, like, if you say, you know, how many X's does it take to screw in a light bulb? This because lazy or whatever. You don't have to also construct the part of the joke where you explain that this type of person is this type of way. So, like, in a Yu-Gi-Oh! abridged series thing, like, Yugi could be starting to say, like, this is a tight spot I, uh, this is a tight spot I'm in, I'm not sure if I, and maybe he gets interrupted by Joey, who just very quickly says, how did the cards, Yugi? And then, like, that would be the whole joke, is, like, they always talk about um, the heart of the cards, and here is, like, they have enough. Yu Yu Hakusho abridged, there's this one part where um, Kuwabara, you know, he comes in uh, after Yusuke dies in the first episode, and he's like, don't drag me away, I still have to rough up the corpse. (laughs) And that's funny, because in the actual show, that's his relationship with Yusuke, but he doesn't say it. It's funny here because he says it, but it only works because we know that that's a thing he sort of feels. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, we know that character. There is still emotion behind that in an oblique way. So for C-Lab, like, maybe if you saw the original, you get a little bit of chuckle after the fact that these even, guys are, are kind of weird. You don't even need to see but, the original because you've, if you're in the era that you, that you watch this, you're familiar with other stuff that's like this. You know what Johnny right. Quest is. You know Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law or 
Right, know? exactly. But think about, like, if they're making jokes based on the nature of, like, doppelgangers or bizarro people, the bizarro person constantly screaming bizarro doesn't reflect on that source. I think it does. Like, it's a different source. so the source. joke fails. I, does it? Yeah, it, it it reflects on the notion of doing, like, a bizarro Superman, which, granted, is not a good enough premise for 11 minutes, but I think that the context of that joke setup is still there. No, the, the joke setup of don't you mean bizarro this, but I'm talking about just screaming the word bizarro. Yeah, I actually um, don't know what that's about. <laughs> maybe <laughs> no, maybe no, I, I can find it. another example where this where this doesn't quite work on C-Lab. Mm. Um like when, like in the episode where he's just driving around in a golf cart, um, you know, berating other people, like that's not, that's not, it's like trying to sell you on a connection to a thing, like the situation being wacky, but it doesn't do the work of establishing like, I, I don't know what I'm trying to formulate, but I feel like it doesn't succeed where the better abridged series do. I don't I don't necessarily think you're wrong. And there's definitely some chaff in here that I am having a hard time defining all I can tell you mm-hmm. is that it didn't sell with me, and some of the you stuff... think the length is the source of that problem. I think in a lot I think of it contributes cases. because there is a lot so of time where they are not really telling jokes so much as just being the personalities that we're familiar with until the plot resolves, mm-hmm. and that that, that can yeah. be that can be a little that can be kind of tedious. Like even though the Bebop Cola episode is one that I really liked as a kid, where the premise is just. Captain Murphy gets trapped under a cola machine and it kind of goes a little bit crazier at a time. It it lingers. It lingers an awful lot. Like, there's a lot of attention paid to a relatively unimportant kind of robot butler character that shows up a couple times. And, like, mm-hmm. there's a couple of scenes that are just him waking up delirious that are, you know... They're trying to fill that time. It feels like they're trying to fill that time. It feels like I yeah, could have gotten this joke quicker. And since the whole and in, the whole episode can be a joke, I think that they could have made it to me quicker without without kind of this this stuff in the way. But maybe that's one of the things that they were, you know, they were battering out the rough edges of this comedy style uh, in yeah. throwing an eleven minute episode together. And, and and to bring it back to the abridged series, yeah. I think that's why you know maybe if they're, even though they're not for me, they succeed because they condense. I think that it also kind of starts to explain... It's five minutes. I think it also kind of starts to explain why the Birdman and Space Ghost had a better product. At least, so maybe we should state what we think about its relative merit, its relative merit to both Birdman and Space Ghost. I liked this one a lot less than both of those. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. Like, I would least want to watch this with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Space Ghost, you kind of have a commitment the thing with both like you start watching it and it, it you need to wait for it to pay off, but you know it's gonna. Both Space Ghost and Harvey Birdman have the semblance have the semblance of a story, right? It's it's not a particularly nuanced or developed story, or developed story, but it there's the story like Space Ghost. For fuck's sake, why hang don't on you a just sec. yeah? Why don't <laughs> Quinn? I'm getting a message on my cell phone. Oop! There it goes again, Quinn. Yeah, so it's it's not a developed story with Space Ghost Coast to Coast. It's, you know, we're doing a talk show. And it's not a particularly developed story with Harvey Birdman. But what I like about Harvey Birdman especially is that the framework is always, I'll take the case, and then they do the semblance of a, let's go do a court case. Within that, everything's fucking insane, 
right? <laughs> but yeah, they they remember to put bones into their show. But yeah, exactly. It has a skeleton, and this I. You know, maybe that this gives C Lab twenty twenty one a little bit of an uh, like a Dadaist absurdist edge in that like mm. it has no skeleton, so like you're totally unprepared yeah. for an episode that is just dialogue for ten minutes and no yeah, animation. But that doesn't age. Yeah, but like I, it, I think it, a Birdman, it, it makes the high highs much higher and the low lows way lower. Yeah, I think Birdman's aged probably the best of them. You know. Uh, it, it's Space the most Ghost of, relies a lot on old references that are no longer relevant. Yeah, and that's like you know that that's a thing that could be updated. I but I think that's even more fundamentally, uh, Harvey Birdman is it looks like a cartoon. <laughs> like, I mean, like it has it has all the familiar read of a cartoon plotline. It's got that respectability, you know. Of the three, you could only really see Birdman like oh in hey, like a, in like a Smash clone or something. Well, no, of like. <laughs> Like, you could see any of them at 2 in the morning on Cartoon Network, maybe. Harvey Birdman, you might see during the day. Or, like, you could even see Harvey Birdman on at, like, midnight on TBS. Like, that's not outrageous. Yeah, this is... I don't know if this... I don't know if respectability is exactly the kind of metric that I'm going for. But, like, this definitely does lack a... Like, the the, the bones of it. it. It lacks a formal education in the way that both Space Ghost and Harvey Birdman were, were playing within the genre conventions that they were given. Whereas this mm-hmm. is shamelessly flaunting those conventions, sometimes successfully, other times excruciatingly. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out one thing about this show that I find interesting, yeah. which is even though each episode is sort of an, it, its own self-contained story and universe it feels like there's a sense of progression like like they live the way we see them like they're reincarnating as a dysfunctional family and like it feels like they grow to hate each other more and more as time goes on i think that's just flanderization pure and simple to be honest Mm, that could be but it, you are bringing up something that i think is like relevant to touch on which is like we've we've kind of started talking about the bad points of the show let's go back into the good points they have some very good gags one of which is they do continuity humor pretty good you, okay. you know they'll, they'll reference like marco will say like don't you realize how many times your idiocy has killed us right you know and it's it feels like they know it feels like they're some part in a of their simulations yeah they're 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 like sims like i'm gonna conspiracy theory this they're sims they know they're sims and that's why they don't care if it's they like die that battlestar galactica episode where one of the cylons which is like this was such a fucking filler episode but it was actually kind of cool how it how it transpired it was like one of the the fighter pilots for the cylon fleet was like an experimental unit that had more kills than any other Cylon warrior. Like, they were trying to personalize this Cylon warrior, and his thing is that he not only came back because of the, the he's just a robot, they just put him in a new body, but they they re, they resurrect him, and he becomes more hateful each time. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit like that, where, like, they, they don't... Or, or in... This is a weird reference, but um, Barry Ween, boy genius, that... Uh, Oh yeah, that, uh, that 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 comic book comic. that I uh, that I probably recommended you read one time is uh, the character has t- access to like mind wipe technology, but it doesn't 
really overwrite the parts of your brain that are mad at a person. Like, it doesn't go overwrite <laughs> emotional disturbance. So right. he'll wrong someone, wipe their brain, and they'll be like, I'm mad at you and I have no idea why. But it does yeah. feel right. Yeah, there's a karmic sense of, like, these guys need to live through reincarnation until they've absolved, but they just keep getting further and further yeah, they, into the Yeah, they red. keep on, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're spending all of their Tartarus bucks, you know, for, for simple, it's, it's, for, like, try, trying to, they, 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 you know, they've mined the fields of Tartarus for however long, and then they finally blow it all at a casino and then go double or nothing and then, you know, wind up in even it's, more it's debt. A, it's a more nihilist Seinfeld. No hugging, no learning. <laughs> less, like even worse than, even more than that. Like less hugging and learning than last time. Yeah, con- concussions and anger. Concussions and anger. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't disagree. I think that the continuity gag there is pretty good. There's other ones where they're just like the disparate little pieces of dialogue reference older episodes in a way that is pretty funny. Um, which is like. There will be an episode, like, three episodes later after the Bizarro one, where Stormy will just introduce himself to somewhere with, I'm regular Stormy. Even though there's there's yeah. no other Stormy there. It's just like he's... <laughs> yeah, like, as opposed to what? He's, he's just throwing it back, which is just a funny little <laughs> funny little moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I already mentioned the part of the show that shamelessly offers an ex- explanation right to the audience to make the plot make sense, which... Mm-hmm. I'm going to state is pretty similar to how they do things in Frisky Dingo. Um, like where they like look. It sounds like we should have just watched Frisky Dingo. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think that this is important. But uh, yeah. there, there's like a part in Frisky Dingo where every time someone references the name, of, like has to say where they live, but they never wanted to peg down where they live. They just like look right at the camera and be like, I can't believe something like this would happen in the town. Like they would just like really <laughs> underline the fact that they don't want to reveal the location of this of this plot. Yeah, like yeah. They, they do that kind of thing a lot. Um, I already talked about how when the team gets distracted with some mundane conversation, while danger is not only present but obvious, <laughs> like yeah. the they, like in the iRobot conversation, or there's also there's an episode where there's green fever, which is apparently like zombification that happens if you don't see trees. It like it doesn't make any sense. Okay, but uh, yeah, basically they're going to go kind of rough up some zombies, and just like the three that they send, which are Stormy, Marco, and Hesh, they all just get like they're like, okay, well, what we got to do is uh, just go to go fight them and cave them in with these nice pipes. It's like these are nice pipes. Where are they? Oh yeah, it's pipe storage down in Pod Two. Man, you should check it out sometime. It's pretty cool. It's like, hey, what are you guys doing there? <laughs> no, just, just, just heading over there. Man, those are some nice pipes. Yeah, it's from pipe storage. Like, just <laughs> had a lot of banter about something that is very mundane, but they're just yeah. they're way into it. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It really feels like they and the intended audience are high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is that is definitely true. Uh, well, I guess we should like. I, I do want to underline one more time that they do some uncomfortable racial stereotypes and it's not limited to quit <laughs> yeah you know and, and i think that this is sort of the adult swim kind of anti-pc culture bead which mm-hmm. you know rubs me a little bit the wrong way but marco and quinn are the they just scratch the surface of it they have you know occasional a- asian and indian characters that are just using very clipped english from a white person oh it's 
really <laughs> which is it's pretty bad like it's obvious there, it's obvious that they didn't care enough to like and they didn't learn by the time of frisky dingo where they have an asian person say i'm gonna teabag chinatown in like that yeah in, the, in that voice which i'm not going to replicate but like it no thank that, you that, oh, i think that we, gives you you made me think it <laughs> that gives you <laughs> that give, oh my god are you referencing what i think you're referencing I don't know. <laughs> and I'll, I'll I'll explain it later. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, that's uh, it's it's a, it's a it was a Louis C.K. thing before he fell out of uh, out oh, of favor. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't thinking of that when I said that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's insidious, man. But <laughs> but yeah, like they have a Nazi show up in one point for just a a moment, just to be like, yeah. you know, anything can be offensive, even this guy, and like, there's a Nazi. Yeah, I feel like there's like this sort of defensiveness that comes when you're doing something experimental where you have to prove that it's experimental. It's honestly like it. And therefore you're not constrained by your boundaries of modern sensibilities or something. But it's just, And if it, you take offense, it's your fault. Yeah. And, it, this is the and part that's that more egregious than. That, that's more egregious than, than like in Clone High where like that wasn't the point. No, it, it like it was incidental and he didn't like. Right. Yeah, it, it just. The person that he referenced was too famous to make a joke out of, which is like, mm-hmm. that's a different thing than having an Indian person who, like, references reincarnation and talks in that fake Indian accent that you sometimes hear. Right. You know, like, that's a, that, it's a different caliber of racism. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, well, one of them, yeah, one of them is done kind of incidentally one of them is sort of done on purpose for the deliberate point of making a joke out of this race. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's three, there's three ways you can take this, right? There is, this was lazy writing. There is, they're trying to prove that they're not constrained by whatever. And three is, this was the best way to make a joke. And I find it very hard to believe that it's that third one. I, I, I think that I, it's the I, first. I want, I, I want to give them the writing. credit that it's laziness. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's lazy writing. Like that there is, okay. there is definitely a, uh, there's an Asian woman who shows up in the, first part of the tribbles episode and it's basically mm-hmm. the miso horny uh like yeah. you know person from uh vietnam in uh in full metal jacket like it's it yeah. it's it's egregious i mean this is this is part of the problem of of this type of show where your characters aren't human because you need to like murder them constantly, right? They lack, but like the, the creators is- <laughs> lack an empathy for their own characters, and it's when no when you dehumanize all the characters on your show, but you don't bother to give personality traits to the minorities, that's a bad look. Yeah, and it'd be different if like there was a reason for the me so horny lady to show up, but like there isn't. It it, it like she shows up for thirty seconds to deliver the tribble to Captain Murphy, and then is no longer in the episode. Yeah, that's the that's the stereotype thing again. Yeah, right? you're, you're you're making the audience do the rest. You're making of the work. half of a joke so that the audience fills yeah. it in, and like it's not a joke that. It... <sighs> yeah, it I it's tricky. It is the thing that is it didn't need to so be bothersome about South Park at times. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I just want to get that off my chest. There yeah. are. I mean, it's it's an understandable issue for a show that is trying to make those half jokes constantly, but if you're just using the like thing that we know is oh this is a common sci-fi premise it it's it's a different situation there, anyway. you know now that we're talking about the writing being lazy at times there's a bit of it that is it's difficult at some time because it is 
so experimental for, you know, on purpose or not, that it's hard to tell at times if it's experimental or lazy in the construction of its kind of full episode jokes. I would be shocked if Captain Murphy's dialogue was entirely written out beforehand. <laughs> you think it was ad-libbed? I, I, like, it feels ad-libbed a lot. I, I hope in my brain. I don't know. I don't have data on this, but, like... If they put that much effort into his dialogue and so little in so many other places, it's it, it's a baffling choice. There's there's an episode. It's referred to as the Uh Oh episode. I don't know if you had watched anything about it. Uh, no, I haven't. It's a little bizarre uh, where the basic episode is like somebody is going to say something to like, for some reason, it gets out that uh, that that Quinn hired a prostitute and, you know, he and Debbie are dating. So, like, there's sort of this sitcom routine of, like, oh, Debbie not better not find out. But, like, people keep on constantly slipping little mistakes. And they're like, uh-oh. Um, and, and by the end of the episode, the uh-oh is, like, a sequence of, like, someone says uh-oh, a different person says uh-oh. And, like, kind of goes to a ridiculous scale where, like, people that we've never seen before are saying that in response and that's the entire yeah. jokes episode. And then they do it a fucking again in like the four minute mark. And then they pretend like they're going to do it a third time at like the nine minute mark or something. And I might be missing they're... the details a little bit because I didn't actually watch the episode. I just read up on it. But like, yeah, the conceit is that they are they are they are crafting their episode around a single concept. And that that has got to be the point of that episode. Right. It can't just be lazy writing. It's got to be like they wanted to make that explicit joke with this episode but then they do the bizarro thing and and a lot of it is kind of lazy writing well that's why so for like the uh oh idea that's clearly trying to evoke that feeling of like oh we've heard you know you you keep saying that joke you know it's not funny anymore and then it keeps happening and it becomes funny again yeah there that's that feels like they're trying to evoke that and with the bizarro it's like that it's it's that paced. kind of joke is rhythm. such a gamble though because if you miss yeah. you miss hard then you know who really likes that style of joke who's that people who are high <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and 13 year olds while, while we're talking about kind of you know nostalgia of like which episodes we liked and things like that did you have a favorite oh you know the time warp's great i like the stimutax one was like haunting in the like requiem yeah for a dream kind of way because <laughs> they were clearly trying to do that and like these people who usually they just die and that's funny here they're like crippled by addiction and that's not funny mm-hmm. but they know it's not funny and they turn that into a humorous beat okay by like the extent that to which they do it they did the thing like that in harvey birdman as well where like he was high on like birdman powers source radiation or something like that yeah i don't know like the drug abuse metaphor in my cartoons doesn't necessarily it doesn't ever really sit well with me unless they're playing it for like a uh psa speed uh or spin um brave star kind of moment yeah i think i i I, there are a lot of moments that are better than my overall enjoyment of like the time warp one but none of them, none of the episodes are like wall to wall flawless. There's a when I, I I I my my episode my favorite episode I think upon a rewatch is Fusebox. 
which is the blackout oh, episode. Fuse box is great. Yeah, that that's an example of the experiment done which well. Is, which is legitimately nine straight minutes of us just looking at C Lab from like a window, like from a distance. We don't see any of the characters, and they just start talking about like trying to find the fuse box. And because so much of the dialogue is Captain Murphy not getting it, it's just it's just doing what the show does great without doing any of what the show does not do great, which is dialogue and communication between its characters. Yeah. And that one that episode's really interesting because they tell you a story without telling you it. Like you get before the big reveal at the end that it was Murphy who cut the power in the first place. Yeah. Um you realize like oh he's afraid of flashlights he's trying to eliminate you know all the flashlights you know how Godzilla you know feeds off of those power those towers like the power cells well the flashlights feed off our human power cells by which i mean our souls yeah, yeah it's like legitimate just straight dialogue for, i'm going to cut that in you you hear you know quinn getting uh concerned and trying to fix things you hear stormy not realizing oh my that God, he's, i'm blind you're not blind not, sweet like the, crackers i'm blind like these little dialogue snippets that are just really joyous but like the way that they're able to craft all that and give you a fully formed like you can see them in your head that's what i love about a bottle episode in general if i can just like digress for a minute is like it really depends not on the concept of the episode but on the strength of the cast and this yeah. is a strong cast in in the right element. It, it's a trust exercise. Yeah, that yeah, the that's exactly writers are it. playing with us. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Because you can't start there. No, no, certainly not. Um, and you know, I think that works in this show as well because uh, the animation is is already so limited, and they're just standing around talking. Yeah. That like, yeah, let's let's that you don't necessarily need the visuals. Let's, let's all talk the time. about the animation style. You know, because they are just stealing character models from this old show which was a lot of standing and talking you know that's kind of all that's happening this style of animation is so damn subjective zane i expect mm-hmm. you probably got a different read of this than i did because i have a, a greater love of those 80 era limited animation cartoons i'm a sucker for the whole yeah. let's make a collage <laughs> style of animation and it does feed into that joke of needing to explain what our characters are doing because like kind of the uh yeah they did it in Space Ghost a little bit, where Space Ghost would not, like, attack people by, you know, punching or, like, tackling them or anything. He would just kind of shoot his wrist lasers and, like, rotate in place to teleport. Because they didn't mm-hmm. have action scenes. Like, there was no action poses no, that he could take. I'm a sucker for this style of let's make a collage animation. It works here for what I think are two reasons. One... The strength of the dialogue, when it is good, uh, carries it. And all we need to really do is see how people, like, like we get a sense of them as social creatures. We see where they're looking. We see who's talking. Like, that works as a conversation, like, supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the fact that these character models, like, they're clearly meant to be more human than, like, the Jetsons. Yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, they they, 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 they were created have... in a era of cartoondom where they were trying to evoke something kind of realistic. They were, you know, yeah. C Lab twenty twenty was at its heart an environmentalist uh, kind of kind of kind of messaging. You, you see the same character models in uh, in Johnny Quest. 
Yeah, and the models are consistent. You know, they reuse the same standing and talking ones, but sometimes they move around in weird puppet ways where they look a little deformed because the originals weren't very consistent. But no, like, they're pretty lumpy. The The current context of the way that they're interacting, plus the fact that they do look more human than most animation of this style, it feels like a mockery of humanity. <laughs> like, this is... <laughs> Like, I'm, I'll say it again, this feels like a simulation. Yeah, and, and there's, like, but it also doesn't make an effort to pretend that it's not doing it, which, no. which I really appreciate. Like, in the Bizarro episode, Stormy getting his neck twisted around doesn't look good because they don't have <laughs> animation frames for him turning his head. Yeah. Which, like, I don't remember an they, era where... This was Scooby-Doo era kind of looking and stuff. And they just aren't in the old material, so it looks awful... But they make a funny moment out of it by adding like a sound effect that rusty of like rusty gears turning. So like when he's trying to turn, they his had head. a sound effect, and then after his head is turned, it's just his head on top of a little twisty he's neck still thing smiling. on top of his regular body. And yeah, he and he's the, fine. Like the, the, the fact that all of their facial expressions are just like mild smiles the whole time <laughs> it's like it's one of those <laughs> yeah everyone's like looking smug yes. at us like we know what this you show know what is you, you signed up for <laughs> and it's, it's, it's similar it's to really the he-man shitty because... grin actually like it's not yeah. because he was making fun of it he just didn't have other mouth signs <laughs> no that's how all americans looked back then. with very polite smiles oh. But because when they if interact you, with if you didn't characters, put a, if you didn't have a polite smile on, you'd get, you know, you you were a commie bastard. <laughs> yeah, you'd get McCarthy right out of there. Um, they interact with uh, one-off characters sometimes, and it's so obvious that these are disposable people because, like, their outlines <laughs> are a lot thinner, and they look yeah. bad, and they're facing forward instead of that, like, slightly off with the smile, and they look upset. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's. I really appreciate the posture of the slightly off from the camera just because they're always just having dialogue at each other like it's very stage play right where mm-hmm. they they don't talk right to the audience they don't talk at a direct perpendicular angle they talk kind of at each other with like sort of facing the audience yeah yeah and which is even greater because the uh the one-off characters don't a lot of times they're like looking at the floor so everyone around them is just like yeah well get out of this frame hey, eyes up top <laughs> you know that you're worse than me and it's, it's even better because, like, you get the—I mean, because it's so absurdist, it is hard to think of this show as not just performing for you. Like, it doesn't exist without you without you watching. Yeah. This, <laughs> like, this like, is, there's no way this is independently happening. It's happening so you can laugh. I think that's part of the appeal of it when it when it first came on and why it was a cult thing, because it requires that effort on, on your part to, like, be okay with what you're seeing and piece together. You, you really—you really do on. have to invest. <laughs> like, it— the thing about absurd is I was having a hard time kind of phrasing this when I was trying to think of it before, but like the thing about absurdist comedies are that you can get a lot out of them by paying a lot of attention. And there are shows that we've watched before where you can passively enjoy them. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll still get something out of watching like kid muscle yeah. because like it, there's just funny dialogue in it and the yeah, moments are ridiculous. Oh, that dude's a phone. Got it. I can't, <laughs> I don't think you can watch this without paying attention to it. You can't half watch it because you look away and then you look back and like it's they're madness. using they're using a TV as a missile. The 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 the, 
the skeleton of it, like we were talking earlier, it needs a skeleton and it doesn't have one. You provide the skeleton. Yeah. You, the audience, provide that framework that allows the the show to work. C-Lab projects this madness into you and really makes you introspect about who's the simulation here. <laughs> oh boy, you're doing that same Do- thing. Do you think, so as we mentioned, part of the reason why the the show kind of dropped in quality, partly because like they clearly ran out of ideas or they didn't trust their like relaxed dialogue where they're just doing that clerk's conversation talking about turning into a robot and partly because uh, Captain Murphy's gone and partly because Captain Murphy's gone. But I think it might also be as time went on, they started doing more of their own animation. Oh, maybe. And Maybe I, it lost some of that spark. It it broke the illusion a little bit. It's like, well, now, yeah. you know, you, you showed me this Grizzlebee's uh, uh, fake advertisement, and you show me this, like, computer-generated Tin Fins movie trailer, and you showed me, you know, you're showing me all these things, and they're running around, and they're in a submarine. Like, it, how is this different from a regular cartoon now? And it, it isn't, right? You know? It, it, like, why, why am, what, did I, what did I sign up for? Yeah, you, you might be right on that. I, th- I think also some of it might be like getting high in their own supply kind of family guy stuff where like they, they realized what they what the audience wanted and they tried to deliver deliver it a little harder. Mm-hmm. I know that Aqua Teen suffered from that a bit. They double back. And Ar- Archer absolutely fell into that fucking trap. See, that's why Venture Brothers went out of their way to spite the audience. <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily worked out well either. <laughs> like honestly, some shows just... Uh, just have a have a limited shelf life. Yeah, you got to old yeller them. Yeah, a little bit. I, I I'm not sure. You know, the idea that they they needed to stay in that animation style, uh, that, that that they were at risk of breaking the illusion is a cool one. I, I don't necessarily know, but it, it yeah, very possibly. Mm-hmm. Like very possibly, you just need to you need to be able to buy into the conceit that they remade the old shit as best they could with a nonsense Seinfeldian premise and just like saw like wound it up what, and watched what can, it go. What can we do with what we have? Cuz it's very obvious when they add in new stuff like uh in the Fantastic Voyage episode when Captain Shanks has a, a tumor that they're going to try to destroy. Right. It's like stretching and pulsing on this very two-dimensional character model in a way that like it draws your attention to it in a very effective way and it makes it look unearthly and wrong but you start doing that more and more and it's it's uh it's distracting and it's specifically animation because they can add just you know assets there's there's no there's no problem with just putting background like at the end of the blackout episode for some reason like it doesn't really matter what the reasons are because captain murphy is the one who's doing it but he's like decked out in war paint and has a battle axe yeah and like you know that's not substantially different from just a Captain Murphy <laughs> without a war painted battle axe. Right, right. Oh, it's so Tuesday it again. <laughs> it doesn't break any sort of illusion. Or like in the Bizarro episode when Bizarro uh, Marco takes a bite out of an eight ball. So like, don't worry about why that's happening. But like, when he does that, there's like a a, a, a chomp dot wav sound effect happening, and then suddenly mm-hmm. half of the eight ball is gone. Yeah. And there's no animation behind it. It's just, and then like, oh, it's gone now. It still feels appropriate and like it fits within that mold that we got from chopping up this old cartoon. I think that you might be onto something with, we are deviating from, 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 from our lords of animation back in the seventies. Like they would not, they would not smile upon this. You're deviating from the old ways. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, one p- source of humor is a judicious use of background gags, but because they are so limited in their animation, these are mostly limited to like word gags. Can you can you give me an example? You know, they'll they'll write on a uh, something in the background, like you know, place animation here, or like put commercial. Yeah there or you know some funny going into the like fourth wall kind of thing some funny some funny or unfunny joke or it'll be like a timeline where it's like white debbie black debbie blacker debbie like (laughs) that's just like an example of what they could do i don't think these were particularly good i generally one that i really enjoyed but like you know it was it was a different kind of joke it was it was strictly kind of an uh in in the bebop cola episode they're like the the, the bebop the, cola machine is great it's beautiful <laughs> ah mingus do and i say to myself i need exact change uh, yeah and that's beautiful just joke that's just like 20 soda flavors based off of jazz musicians yeah that's where they put all their writing energy for that episode <laughs> mango <laughs> like, Reinhardt, you know, with mango G- gillespie <laughs> fizzy gillespie uh fizzy gillespie god they're so good we, I gotta find like a list of them. Like I'll put like an image up on or something in the show notes. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it. But uh, yeah, but there's a background gag in that where one of the soda things comes out and hits him in the face and a chip tooth off, which you know gets into that oh sad he loses a tooth kind of territory. There's a little pathos there. Mm-hmm. But he loses the tooth and the robot comes out to clean it up. And the second time he does that, he's like, oh, what are you making a necklace? And sure enough, the next time he shows up, there's just a necklace of his teeth around this like robot with just like these big old eyes. Yeah, like a human hunting kind of kind of robot. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like he just looks like a dopey Roomba. Like yeah. there's nothing <laughs> menacing about him. He's just oh, he made a necklace, and they don't bring attention to the fact that he made a necklace out of him. They just mm-hmm. what are you making a necklace? And then the next time he shows up, he's got a necklace of teeth. Roomba with necklace of teeth sounds like a really good Halloween costume. That like <laughs> no one's gonna get it, but everyone's gonna be intimidated. You'll get it. Yeah. You'll get it. You're doing it for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so sometimes the background gags can work good, but I'll admit that I didn't find many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to move into music and uh, dialogue? You know, music most in terms of music, it's pretty sparse. Uh, you'll sometimes get a background hum or like beeps and boops. There's not really any music unless they do like an intentional homage, like they'll do a Jaws theme. Right, or... Uh, yeah, they'll do Jaws theme. Sometimes they will do th- fun things in the outro, like uh, in the episode that did feature MC Chris because of that reference. He did the outro theme. Because <laughs> he's right there. Like, you're going right to waste there. that? Yeah. You're going to waste this man of quote-unquote talent? <laughs> yeah, I don't think the music was necessarily great. The sound effects, however, are fitting into that let's have the illusion that this was cut up in the old era kind of stuff. Yeah, that we Because all the it. sound effects sound like they're from Johnny Quest. Or Star Trek, yeah. Yeah, they're so old. I love it. Like a swoosh uh, door opening or just like mm-hmm. panels beeping. Yeah, that chomp.wav that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, just, it's, that does kind of fit the Hanna-Barbera Asset Factory. Yeah, that, that does fit the mirage that we are bought into watching this show. Mm-hmm. So I'm pr- I'm pretty into that. What do you think of the intro? The I love that intro. Yeah, I think it's very catchy. It is very catchy. It's like the it sounds good. It doesn't prepare you at all for what you're in for. Yeah, and, it's and it looks like I I legitimately didn't know whether or not that clip show of the original C Lab 2020 was the intro of C Lab 2020. It isn't. 
But it, it looks might like as well it could have been. Yeah, because it's like this like nice little surf rock jingle. It feels like it could be an advertisement for like, hey, you could visit Sea Lab in the future, or, or Bebop Cola or something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I so I love the intro, and I think that is a sh- in a show like I think it works better than the Space Ghost Coast to Coast intro of. Uh, you know, whatever the hell was going on with that, like moving through a studio where the show is going to be broadcast. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that doesn't work at all for me. But this this does feel like it is deliberately calling to mind, hey, this is the show we're ripping off. Just to get you like <laughs> familiar with the context of where we are coming from. This is what it looks like now. Yeah. Or then, what does it look like now? Yeah, this is this is the background that everyone needs coming in. And the music plays it straight. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a goofy MC Chris r- ripoff or anything. Which they could have done and probably it have done in other shows. Easily. <laughs> very easily. What do you think of the dialogue? I mean, we've we've mentioned already, like, you know, when somebody says a line, it feels like it comes from that character. And this is nowhere more true than for, like, Murphy or Quinn. Um, but it's not uniformly great all the time. And it, it overstays its welcome the same way everything else does in this show. Yeah, the moments where it overstates its welcome are difficult, but I do like that the absurdist comedy formula does give you some sentences that only absurdism can create. Please, go ahead. Uh, in <laughs> That was a pretty obvious lead-in, wasn't it? Uh, in, in the iRobot I Robot episode where they're like talking about how they're going to tool out their robot bodies, um, someone's, uh, Captain Murphy's like, and we'll eat tires instead of licorice. No, you won't. Maybe you won't. You know, you know things like that. Just like the back and forth nonsense. Or yeah, like, you're not the you're not the boss of Tigerbot Hesh. Like, where, where does that sentence come from? Except for this show. Um, um, my all time favorite one is in the blackout episode where he where, where Captain Murphy is talking to Quinn and he is like trying to establish like what's going on. Hey, Quinn, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Well, you didn't answer. And then later, later on, he's just like, out of kind of out of nowhere, he's like, isn't that what they say? Isn't what what who says? <laughs> who says what? Who says what? What? <laughs> yeah, it's very who's on first, but like. But from it, nothing. Again, it, it, it fits the characters, though. Yeah. Like, perfectly. Um, so, you know, absurdism can do some can do some stuff that nothing else can. And I always appreciate it when they're confident enough to, like, have characters talk over each other. If there's one thing that this show can do, it's confidence in its own self. Unearned confidence. Yeah, I would argue that. <laughs> but, like, it, it's a, it kind of feels like a scrappy underdog story, you know? Like, watching this show and enjoying it, you're like, I get it, and I'm willing to be vulnerable enough to get it. And, and... and it paved the way for them to do some amazing shit that would be widely like you know mm-hmm. that that would be broadly uh, uh, enjoyable by a larger portion of uh, by a larger portion of viewership. Do do you think the effort required to watch this show, both putting away your modern sensibilities or putting yourself into that older mindset, and giving it the energy and connecting it to you know whatever other things that you need to do to give it that sort of off-brand, off-reality sensibility. Like, do you think that is possible for a new viewer? That's that's a hard sell. I don't know, because, like, we have better absurdist comedies that are, like, wittier. You know, we've got BoJack Horseman, and, you know, Aqua Teen, I think, sort of outstrips this by most margins. 
Right, but like even today, they're still making like I think they're still making Squidbillies, right? Like they're Are still. They really? I, that's, I feel that's like I heard rough. about that recently. I could be wrong, but they're making stuff like that, especially on Adult Swim, where like they're trying to capture something that they caught twenty years ago that can't really be caught today. I I don't like what was edgy back then isn't edgy now. That's the thing. I don't even think so, it's like, edgy. I think it's just. I don't know. It's an aesthetic. But it was edgy. Like it was edgy because it was absurd and it was absurd comedy in a time that didn't have them. Mm. You know, like uh, it, I don't think that the animation barrier is necessarily overcome. Like I can overcome that. I think that other people would be like the animation barrier already exists for people from two thousand two. They would watch it and be like, "This is animation from thirty years ago." Like if YouTube has taught us anything, it's that we'll watch whatever. Kind of whatever. Yeah, and. And the voice performances are really good, and the writing is occasionally very, like if you if you caught yourself on a good episode, I think a modern like a modern audience that didn't come to it yet would appreciate kind of how daring a lot of the concepts are, and mm-hmm. how that undeserved confidence let them not have a, a skeleton of an actual plot, and instead just really inhabit this <laughs> sense of absurd comedy. Right, but in terms of the actual quality, I think. You know, any modern sensibility person would probably go see in a bit in a bridge series or a YouTube short now. Yeah, I, I think it would be hard sell. I think the very best episodes of this, you know, the time loop one and the and the and the blackout episode, and maybe a couple other episodes can would would probably be enjoyable to a Rick and Morty watching kind of crowd. Yeah, I think so. But I, I think the ratio has shifted to like from when I watched it first, which was like half of them are good, half of them are bad. It it has shifted away. There's not nothing there anymore, but it's got to be a pretty exceptional episode to break through that crust of we are used to good, absurdist, witty comedy, and you have to give us more than just the the gimmick of pasting together an old cartoon in this collage. Yeah, I'll 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 hang on to that nostalgic when you were the only game in town. That's what it was, you know. They 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 did it, they did it first, and credit should be paid to them for give for doing it first and for setting again with the 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 you know nuclear testing site that was this show creating frisky dingo creating archer and they just really refining that formula of what comedy they excelled at and was accessible and because they were experimenting throughout the entire length of the show it gave anyone who's learning from it a clear understanding of like what does work what doesn't yeah it's, it's pretty obvious on which episode like uh, you can't say this for the sh- like it 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 tells you pretty quickly whether or not you're going to enjoy the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a learning so, experience. Yeah, I have outgrown it. You know, like I, I don't think that it's very good anymore. I appreciate what it brought to the table in terms of like how daring it must have been at the time, and what we got out of it, which was Archer and Frisky Dingo shows that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you feel about it now? I think I. I think I enjoy it on like it's again it's one of those things where I can watch it on my own and it's fine uh, but trying to watch it with somebody else you're you're you know it's like yeah is that you was, know that, is that was bringing the question to mind about like I'll, should we share this with anyone ever I'll, again? I'll watch like one of the mainstream like video game or film reviewing people on YouTube but I like they're still kind of hard to listen to if you have to listen with somebody else yeah 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 I got you there I mean um, you know yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm I'm happy saying goodbye to this one. Like I I, I of the three, I think it's the weakest. Mm-hmm. It it has less unique 
you know, kind of staying power. It it did. It was probably more daring than Harvey Birdman. I don't know if it was as daring as Space Goes Coast to Coast. Yeah, I but mean, it, it's, it resonated it's a with a lot level. of people in its era, and you know. I think this is useful grounding for when eventually we do Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I I think so as well. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that that was C Lab twenty twenty one. May it rest in peace. Yep, that is yeah. where you'll find us underneath the C Lab. Uh, Zane, uh, what are we doing next? Well, next time we're watching another relic of a bygone era, but one that I think has, in some ways, aged better. Um, Ranma one half. Uh, I've yep. started watching a, a, a several episodes. It is exactly as I remember the manga being. Like, this is probably the preferred way to read the manga is to watch this old series. Hmm. You know, I, I have pretty fond memories of reading the manga just at an age at which I didn't read manga at all. And it was just kind of fresh and unique and something different. So I'd be surprised if the anime was good, given that I have seen anime. <laughs> and I'm sure this one is not the best of the animes that I've seen, but eh, we'll see. Well, I, I only had so many manga back then, and I read them a bunch, uh, and so, like, a lot of the panels are stuck in my mind and etched there permanently, and uh, the show... Are, are the ones with the, are the ones with the breasts stuck in your mind because the pages are sticky? God, zooks. Ha-cha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> um, well, no, it's... Data lately. It, the, I, I'm seeing things that I never noticed, and the way that they're saying things, I'm like, oh, I never caught that as a kid. So, you know, I, I, I like it well enough, and I'm looking forward to watching more, and at least getting to where I was in the in the manga. Yep. I expect us to say a lot about, like, you know, consent, because <laughs> that's going to happen. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot. God, yeah. Have, there's going to be a just, lot. Let's just go with yeah. That's going to be one of those episodes where we have to start off just by saying, like, can, you just, can everyone just assume our regular caveats and we can move on? <laughs> <laughs> Lest we become caricatures of ourselves. Uh, yeah, th- th- that would be that? interesting. Uh, after that, we have a very special episode. We're going to be watching Pirates of Darkwater, mm-hmm. which has been uh, which has been requested by a fan of the show uh, and my boyfriend's brother. My friend Tuck is going to come on the show and talk to us about a show that he watched from his childhood, which, you know, I watched a couple episodes of it. It's it's got it's got some things. You know, you 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 had mentioned because we were trying to schedule what it might be, and so I watched the first episode as well. And my God, there's a lot going on. Here. There's a lot of color in there. Chrissy went away, like because I was watching. She was in the background, or she was like listening to it in the background, and she comes back after five minutes, and she's like, "Wait, is he a good guy now?" I'm like, "Oh man, like five things." Uh, have I gotta happened. walk you through this. <laughs> yeah, it it moves pretty fast and loose, uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's also got that kind of high seas adventure shit that I like. So. I'm looking forward to doing kind of a deep dive on it, and we'll have a we'll have a guest on who has very strong memories of it. So I'm looking forward to you coming on, Tuck. And, I, uh, yeah, I always look forward to those things where otherwise it might just strike me as like, oh, this is a generic, you know, adventure show. I'd, I'd love to hear the specifics. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it just you know we don't have the context to appreciate it in its own time. So that's why we've got an expert. Yeah, and we also uh, after that we'll probably be having a Halloween episode be coming up. So if anybody That's has right. any ideas for a Go horror, Pastor Dan Caves horror ish movie for us to watch, um, you know we're all ears on that. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, we 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 are complete neophytes at the horror genre. So any animated uh, horror movie or like even even marginally horrific or or horror themed, like you know I would I would take pretty much uh, you know. A Scooby Doo directed to like Lost on Zombie Island or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I I'll watch that. Helsing again. 
Now watch it. You just <laughs> just run it back. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you have any suggestions for a horror themed animated movie, let us know. And the way you can let us know is if oh. you go onto our Facebook page or to our website cartoncast.com uh, or our group website fancybat.com and leave us a pay- leave us a comment via our contact page. You can mm-hmm. also check out the other shows on the network there, such as Empowered, a bite-sized podcast about superpowers and uh, what we would do if we had them. The answers may surprise you, but probably won't. Um, yeah. Other than that, you can go and rate or review us on Apple Podcasts. We really like when people uh, review us and leave a comment, because we know what you guys like and what you don't, and it honestly just makes our day when you when you when you write to us so please do that give us a five star rating and more than anything else please just tell your friends about the show that's right well ben i think it's time that we left this old ocean base and bombed the crap out of it from a distance that was kind of dire um <laughs> i don't know what no. else we can do <laughs> they, they always say something like that oh my god the, the episode's over oh my god i'm blind <laughs> you're not blind oh stormy <laughs> They could be independently blind. Oh, that's another great, great moment. No, yeah. I don't like that one either. Hang on. Oh, uh, an idea that I had for the intro was a ski lab where they're testing to see who can be the best, like, ski jumper. <laughs> that's, that's fucking awful. <laughs> well, that's why we went with yours. <laughs> okay, good night, everyone. <laughs> the sweet shop with my sweetheart sandy got my penny safe so i'm a sugar daddy i'm a hugh crow and she my jessica candy i want candy put it in a pile split it with my bitty 50 50 down the line kind of like close encounters with the cavity kind i'm talking licorice kisses talking chocolate smiles i want candy i got a sugar tooth put on your shingle sandy because i want a knock boots like a peppermint stick till the lollipop droop come drop it don't stop till it's lit not loose Way punk, you're gonna get your ass beat nasty. Do it to your dad, he's embarrassed your whole family. Just cause you came between the